Daily DVR is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com, the men's accessories marketplace. Cufflinks.com aims to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want to elevate their look each day. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. 2020, baby. It's a new year, and every month, Cufflinks has new amazing products, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Disney, all that great stuff, or the sports stuff, NCAA, NBA, NFL, or, of course, the classic wearable art, the amazing high-quality Hook and Albert Oxen Bull, and, of course, their own Cufflinks.com brand. We encourage you to elevate your look when you get dressed in the morning. It helps to make you feel more confident and create your individual style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. You can get paid for your love. Welcome back to Daily DVR, Does Better Call Saul. My name is Axel, and of course, my co-host is Ashaya. How you doing, Ashaya? Oh, I'm doing quite well. This is the perfect time to be podcasting, isn't it? Yes, yes. We wish well to everyone out there listening. We know we're in a worldwide COVID crisis, but we will still be talking about TV shows, and at least the TVs still work. That is something that I'll be happy as long as that keeps on going. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about Better Call Saul Season 5, Episode 5, Dedication a Max. Did I pronounce that correctly? What do you think? Dedicado a Max? There you go. See, you did it better than I did. Um, You can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. Consider becoming a sponsor or a patron, I should say, at patreon.com slash DVR. You can also send feedback to DVRpodcast.com. And also check out Ashea, of course, on Twitter, Marinese Not, and at historyofwesteros.com and patreon.com slash historyofwesteros. All right, this was... A beautiful episode. I was really just taken away. Now we know where Mike is and the stuff with Jimmy and Kim. I felt like there was a lot more little directorial flair going on. I just was totally engrossed and I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I think the beginning of that Jimmy and Kim plotline with him creeping into the circle around the map. <laughs> a shot that I really, really love. I think I'll remember it for a while just because I didn't notice him creep in there. <laughs> me neither. I was like, wait, wait, let me go back. Was he in the circle the whole time? And no, yep. you know, creeps in and some of the guys notice. Yeah, that was great. You're right. Because they start with the shot. And then they go to the guy's face and then they go back to it. And then, yeah, he creeps in and it made me notice too, that the guys on either side keep on looking at him <laughs> like, like what's going on. And that is, I mean, this becomes a theme in the episode. We had talked about what Jimmy is going to try to gum up the works. And that's exactly what happens. Um, and this first little con is conning them that they're at the wrong address And it continues throughout the episode. We even get like a really great um, montage scene of him and Acker working together. Acker is just loving it. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's all in. But yeah, they, I took note. Uh, Jimmy has seven delays that we see that he's put forward. So that's a, seven days. That's a whole week right there. Yeah. So what is it? Yeah. They do the the wrong address. In order, they do. Yeah, they do the wrong address. He does his smashed vases. The you know the potential cultural artifacts. He sues on behalf of the water district. He says there is a flaw in the original land grant from 1846. This is the funniest one to me. He says the prime contractor is an escaped felon. Uh, then he tries to make it look like there's some, you know, some borderline radiation. Soil samples will be needed. And finally, the seventh one that we see is the image of Jesus on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> one i was most surprised that acker went along with i you know it's so great the way they do these two because they all have like remind you of things throughout breaking bad in this show and like when they when he capped it off with the fake i guess it's not stigmata i guess what you know that image on the side of jesus it just reminded me of yule and the church and how, yeah. like Jimmy recognized, and how he always talks more so in Breaking Bad, he would say stuff like this. But, you know, like, those people are followers. They'll do what you tell them to do. You find a group like that, you know what I mean? You point them in the mm -hmm. right direction. And then yeah. when they start pouring in on the buses and then are in the newspaper and, like, everything, it's, it's really – this was some prime time Saul stuff. And it was good to laugh at, too, because he wasn't hurting anyone, you know? Yeah, he's giving uh, Kim's poor, I don't know what to call them, the associates. She's giving all of them a, a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up the works. And eventually, as we see, there is a price to pay for Kim, we think. But mm -hmm. it, this episode was had a bit more levity, uh, you, like the, the, the fun part of Saul, because – in the end, he was doing it to help a guy out against a big corporation. Yeah. So it kind of makes you feel like, hey, he, that is the Saul who's fighting for the little guy. Uh, that is very true. I like that. Um, well, let's see. We we had we had that whole con that's going on, but at this yeah, same we have that him try to explain this to kevin too. yes yeah that's what i wanted to talk about and um we kind of open up with kim at this lunch with Paige and kevin and um i just wanted to say i i love the shot if you notice they're having the conversation and the camera starts uh, like at a table over from them and the table's not set there's no forks and knives on it then they're talking and you see in a background, a guy setting the tables. And then when they cut back to that table, it's set as the guy has gone by and set the tape. And it's just little touches like that to plan that out to even, cause they always do those obscured shots. I just found to be brilliant. But what did you think of this conversation they had? Well, first of all, I wasn't sure immediately whether Kim genuinely, whether it was part of their plan for her to be off the case or on it, like, which shows, I, I think her acting was convincing, like Kim's acting. Yeah. Because um, I, I just wasn't sure I could, what was part of the scam or not, but her trying to withdraw just makes Kevin hold on much tighter. And so it was immediately clear that 
Kim is supposed to stay on this case, and that's part of their scam, which is emphasized later, I think. Yeah, I, I, that took me too. And that was what was fun too is I didn't, I wasn't really able to figure out, I knew what Jimmy was doing, but I was still unclear throughout the episode what the plan between Jimmy and Kim was. Because we yeah. had talked about what are they going to do when they find out that Saul is the – and she is the one who divulges that information. Yeah, she gets ahead of it, yeah. which makes sense. She gets ahead of it and does her due diligence basically and saying, hey, I shouldn't be involved. Do you – and you think that she was doing that to push Kevin to keep her in? Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think Jimmy and Kim talked about it in advance and thought that that would uh, make him keep her. But I don't think Kim predicted Kevin to go so in on it. I mean, he he's, he says he knows a scam when he sees one. He won't give up his ground. And he thinks it's uh, Mr. Acker's scam. <laughs> it's re- But when eventually, um, I mean, we've talked at all what Jimmy does and how Kim has to pass off all of these cases. And you see, I mean, it's just such an effective way of showing how he's doing the old lawyer thing, you know, and it's like, send them all the documents, right? Like just keep them busy. Mm -hmm. Um, But how quickly did you think that rich was kind of in on it? Cause when we go to, we have these series of meetings that Kim has and the last meeting where Rich is at the table and they're in more of the um, office or uh, I guess conference room and Rich says – is trying to kind of push Kevin to switch the place. I got the feeling just from the way Rich is that he was already very suspicious of what was happening. Yeah, I think he was suspicious, but I think he also wanted just to get things dealt with. If It's all the better for everyone. If he doesn't have to talk to Kim about this, if they don't have to keep mm. dealing with this, just move the plot. She's not wrong. There's another uh, alternative. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess when they eventually have their confrontation, you're right. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's, ve- you know, he, he, he. I don't know. Do you think that's, I don't know. I get the feeling I like rich, you know? Yeah. And I get, it makes me wonder about his morals, his his ethics, you know, does he understand why she's fighting for this? Does he see that, you know, Mesa Verde is just being kind of, kind of, kind of mean right here. Um, Does he get that? Or is it just a hassle to him that he has to keep dealing with this? Yeah. Mm. I, I think I think so, and I also think he has a he really cares about Kim. You know, I think that he sees how hard she works because you'd think that if he wanted to fire her, or along the lines of what we had talked about before, that you know after after Jimmy insulted him last season uh, at their dinner party. I don't, I guess it was like a Christmas gathering or something. Yeah. Yeah. If it seems like rich took from that, Oh, Kim is kind of blocked in like a bad relationship. And he felt empathy for her rather than thought, Oh, she's untrustworthy now. 
Okay, yeah, I see that. I don't, yeah, I don't think he thought she was untrustworthy. And I like that. That's what I like. It's the subtleties like that that really draw me into a character. Like, and he's a great actor too. He's been in stuff forever. But yeah, I I think it's notable. I mean, you know, when Schweiker tries to take her off the case, right? She's really offended. But it to me it it made it seem like it was important for her to be on the case that that was part of it was that um, based on their little ploy before and based on how pushy she was here that part of their plan had to do with her being the opposing lawyer lawyer perhaps but I clearly she also lost her temper because when she storms out it's in front of everyone that they have this conversation this argument boy I was cringing so much also. Oh, I couldn't even, you know, I have to be honest with you. I did one of those things where you like shield your, like you can't watch because you're yeah. you so feel bad for a person or like they're embarrassing themselves. And uh-huh. I, I was thinking as this was developing, I wasn't sure again, how much was it a part of their plan was the, like you say, is the goal to keep her on the case? Yes. But after we, there's some stuff that I kind of skipped ahead, but after all the stuff that happens, I wasn't sure whether that this was still a part of the plan, you know, like her getting so angry and doing it publicly because that is so unlike him. Yeah. I don't think it was. I think, you know, it's a reminder to us of how serious Kim's situation could get um, about how on edge she is and how bad she feels about doing it. So I think, yeah, it was not how she should have or wanted to react. But I do think that she worked herself up to to go talk to him because she knew it was important to yeah. make this work. Yeah, it's still kind of confusing. And I guess we should take a few steps back, which mm-hmm. is that after the 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 um, meeting, the second meeting they have, which is the one I was originally talking about where I think Rich was going along with her and saying, you know, let's move it. And then Kevin still digs his heels in even more. Um, Jimmy, we have a great scene with Jimmy and Kim lying in bed. And there, there was a couple sweet scenes between them in this episode and uh, it, the first one really came when Jimmy is making some weird, which I guess I, I guess I didn't, I don't know if I figured out what it eventually was when he was making some weird concoction in the kitchen. Yeah. What, what did that eventually, was that a part of one of the cons? I don't think it was um, the concoction that he was making. He said he was making her curry. Yeah. I don't know. I thought he was making like something that would smell or that they, he was going to leave out. Like, yeah, none of it came up in part yeah. any of the seven delays that he did. Um, and we saw him do some other weird stuff, like with the uh, the border, the radiation powder, yeah, and all that. But no, I think he was just you know, making her making curry, <laughs> that, you know, amid everything, you know, as you do, you're smashing vases so that you can, you know, bring. Uh, that's what i mean i don't i didn't get that part i get oh the vases okay that's right that was the vase yeah he was doing the vases at the same time he was making dinner for them he's like oh it won't be ready till tomorrow all that 
But so of course, Kim walks in having uh, just scammed Kevin, and I, Jimmy is just dying to hear all these details. Right? He's like a junkie, just living <laughs> vicariously through her. Yeah, that's interesting. See, that says to me that he has so become, you know, he lives these scams that even as a person watching the show, if I just see him making dinner, I think it's a scam. (laughs) I I can't tell the difference. Like anytime he prepares something or it goes into a process, I just assume he's doing it to scam somebody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Real quick uh, mention to the beginning of this scene because I don't think we're going to talk much about it. Um, one was I really loved the cut from the water fountain in the village that Mike's at to the view inside of the pot. It ends with a shot of the water there and then it starts with, you know, uh, the pot with Jimmy putting the. I thought it was him making tea, but now I guess it's what, something he did for the curry. But either way, um, I enjoyed that in particular. And before Kim comes home, it's worth noting that Jimmy talks to Howard, right? Yes, that, that is true. I was, yeah, I was good. And I love that shot too, because they put like the GoPro or they get, you know, like a see through device. I don't know how they shoot it. And you, you see all this stuff mixing around. And what it made me feel like is making meth. They did so many of those shots in breaking Mm. bad from the bottom, right? I mean, we see it again later with uh, the fire detectors. I mean, Jimmy's straight up in gloves and they both have their face masks on. Talk about uh, relevant to COVID. (laughs) That is, wow, that's true. But you're right. That is very Breaking Bad too. Yeah, it was very much Breaking Bad to me. I like how Uh, they're doing that. I like how they're setting these, these little you know, visual cues into it because right away I was like, wow, are we going to, is Walter or Jesse going to be there when it separates? And it was him. And um, yeah, he, he does end up getting this call um, from Howard where he just, uh, you know, kind of blows him off. Yeah. This sounds good. Bye. Also Howard's chilling barefoot. (laughs) Namaste. Yeah, getting into that lifestyle. Love it. (laughs) I do feel, though, that I thought back to our conversation we had about Howard kind of being the third McGill brother. And this conversation, this even this quick phone call really cemented that to me. He had no thought that maybe he had a thought, but he wasn't going to bring it up that Jimmy was the one who did the, the bowling balls, you know? No. And he seemed to really care. Like he really wanted to talk to him about the job. Yeah. Give him some more information and try to convince him. I wonder where this is going. I think it was really striking in that scene to me is that as Jimmy's on the phone with him, he's in the middle of a scam, right? He's breaking all the vases. He's doing what he does best and what he's enjoying he wouldn't have the freedom to do something like that working at, at you know, Hamlin, yeah. Hamlin, McGill. So I, I, yeah, I think that was interesting and just, I mean, we know he's not going to go with, with Hamlin. He's not going with Howard. So. Yeah, it was really, I like the way Howard keeps on popping back and I wonder what it's building to. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think Howard has good intentions, but I also think that it maybe something else is involved here that we don't know about yet, or 
maybe Howard is concerned and has heard about some of the things he's doing and really mm-hmm. wants to kind of take care of him in a way and fill in for Chuck. And I feel like we're going to get a Jimmy Howard confrontation where we kind of need that, where, where they mm-hmm. really speak their feelings to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I we can- get that. I can just easily imagine Jimmy finally going off on Howard. Yep. And it's going to be very cruel, I think. Mm, sad. Taking a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. And we're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in Cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser. And you will arrive and you will be amazed, happy, surprised at the amazing products that cufflinks.com has. You might think to yourself, hey, I don't have an informal event coming up. You know, I'm not into cufflinks. But guess what? They have a lot more than that. Actually, I'm wearing a pair of Star Wars socks that they sent me. Cufflinks.com is where it's at. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Hey, everybody, I've got an exciting announcement. Our very own Heath Santazo, a.k.a. Heath Solo, who you know is a great actor, has been writing a screenplay and is now producing his first feature film, The Star City Murders. A team of detectives are tracking down a serial killer, but his methods are like nothing law enforcement has ever seen. It's a race against time before more victims are claimed. The Star City Murders. You can be a big part of this project and become a backer. Just go to cefilms.com for all the information on the film and how to donate, or go to kickstarter.com and search The Star City Murders. And also, if you look in the show notes or at dvrpodcast.com, all the links are there for you. There are many great rewards for donating, including a tier where you get an exclusive behind-the-scene podcast hosted by me, Axel Foley. That's right. Let's help get Solo make this movie, all right? Go out there and donate $5, $10, whatever you can give. Let's make sure that Solo gets this done. And also, all the Patreon funds coming to DVR Podcast are going to this Kickstarter because we believe in Solo. This is going to be an awesome movie, and we want to be a part of it. So head on over to CE Films today. The Star City Murders, baby. Let's find the killer. We do get a cute scene. Yes, the best scene. The best scene. My favorite scene in the episode. Probably in the season so far, to be honest. Uh, Even though it's... I I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. It was the actors uh, really getting to stretch their legs, do a little something different. Yeah, this was where they play out between this what happened between Kevin and Kim and Jimmy is Kim that's what you're talking about right yeah i'm saying yeah, yeah jimmy is yep. kim kim is kevin you know jimmy <laughs> kind of twists her arm about it for a second but then kim really gets all into it she sits to the side i love jimmy like oh you didn't tell me he was a side sitter <laughs> <laughs> yes that she's was going, beautiful blah blah blah, blah 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 just she just goes off and says blah so many times and she uh, really plays it. into it i like the way yeah she's she hesitant yeah 
And immediately when Jimmy starts acting like Kim, she can tell that he's being Kim in the audience, at least myself. You can just tell like yeah. he has just started barely moving and you can get this Kim sense of her like tenseness and the mm -hmm. way she kind of even her arm, her hand movements are kept very close to herself, I feel like. Yeah. And I, I really, I think it's, they need to do this because so much, I mean, we talked about last season, previous seasons, they, they have not shown us so many of their tender moments as of late and mm -hmm. the trip to the house, the scene like this on the, on the, uh, pat on the porch or the deck throwing the bottles these with scenes, them in bed together yeah them in bed together they, this that's really yeah remember with her leg all weird every i <laughs> i just like that they are it scares me because i think eventually they're setting us up for tragedy and we know they are in some way they have to be this is better call Saul but i like that that they're taking the time to show why they love each other and how they mm -hmm. get along <laughs> that's really oh, cute yes it is and really uh I, kim raya seahorn i she doesn't get a lot of a lot of a variety in the kind of thing she gets to do in the show you know jimmy saul he plays a wide range especially because he's putting on different personas for different people right whereas kim just really hasn't gotten that so i was really happy to see her stretch her acting chops i guess yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was like, also, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Kim, you can quote, asking Kevin to take a shower with him. <laughs> oh, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she, and they do a good, they do a good, like, in world, you know, they cut really quickly to her to get her reaction to it. And mm -hmm. I thought that that was really cute. Yeah, it was. I really like this stuff that they did here with them. And I, it reminded me of when they pulled the uh, baby scam to switch the plans for Mesa Verde, mm -hmm. and we got to see Kim act. And it really, oh, it just she's so straight about everything that every when she does that, I'm just like captivated. And it just, it makes me so happy. I don't know why. It's like I get, I get kind of joyful. Like I was giggling when they were, when she was acting like that, because you kind of feel the relief of her allowing herself to not be so tense for a moment. Yeah, I completely agree. She's not all wound tight in those moments. Yeah, she's free. It's beautiful. So we kind of talked about um, the scams and then we jump to... Another scene where they're lying in bed and, you know, Kevin has refused to move the, um, the, uh, the new building and yeah, seven delays and he still yeah. is like, nope, nope. <laughs> well, this is why, I mean, it does, it's not surprising, right? And it plays into what we were saying earlier about how they knew he was like that. Um, so that's why I was kind of surprised that. They knew he digs in like that. And also that's kind of why he loves Kim, right? That's my yeah, attack dog, right? It's a good so, point. Yeah. Kim is, is not happy that he's, you know, he hasn't broken. Yeah. You're, you're right. I, I figured that they would have at least expected it, but this is a nice, sweet scene. Jimmy and Kim lying in bed and he kind of starts by telling her, Hey, the guy moves out. 
You know what I mean? He's going to live somewhere. And it sounds like he has kind of given up. Do you think that he was really giving up and concerned about, he even said to her, this is going too far. They're going to get mad at you. No, I really think that even though he was consoling her, I really do think that Jimmy was kind of pulling the same move that Kim used on Kevin, which that is pulling away and making it seem like continuing is her idea. Yeah. Not his. Yeah. Unfortunately, I agree with you. Yeah. I got this strong vibe of it. There were just, yeah, I just didn't get a very genuine or sincere um, vibe from him. There were a couple of shots in particular that really hammered it home. You're right. He does. He's kind of in the doorway and he does that turn. And then it's almost like he turns into Saul. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. It was that moment was one of them where I was like, this is a little a, a dark tone to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it really kind of brought me for a second there. They got me. And I was like, wow, okay, he's concerned about Kim. And he's really trying to talk her down off a ledge here. But then when that stuff started to happen, I got the same feeling that no, he was pulling the same ruse. And they decide to go forward with it. Like you said, Kim, he kind of convinces it's it's her idea. Um, And then they have that. We have this fun little scene, which crisscrosses our two different, uh, her narratives here, which is when they call Mike. And I thought this was hilarious because they're like, she's like gathered around the phone and like, (laughs) and meanwhile, Mike is in Mexico, you know? Yeah. You know, I think it's notable, you know, obviously he tries to get Mike. Obviously Mike is just straight up busy. I don't think Mike would take the gig either way, but I, I thought it was interesting that Mike just does take the call. Yeah. He knew it was Jimmy. He does. He takes the call still. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. You know what? I kind of feel like if he, if those kids had been like, ah, we're not going to beat him up. And then he was just sitting at home. He may have taken it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it would it's a way for him in a sense to not not ignore himself, not turn his back on himself, but also not be doing as terrible of things yeah. as uh, Gus wants him to do. Yeah, and then Jimmy even tries to he tries to sell him on that, right? Says, "We're not like the other thing we did." And Kim kind of looks at him. What yeah, other yeah. thing you did? <laughs> you know, he's like, "This is just a straight up PI job. We need information." And Mike turns him down, of course, as we know, because he's in Mexico and recovering. And then in comes Mr. X. Yes, or Subcheck, and we've seen him before, Stephen Ogg. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah, Stephen Ogg is a very funny guy. Um, I guess people know him from other things. I know him from Broad City in particular. He's been a lot, but he's a very memorable character in Broad City to me. Um, but either way, and basically everything I've seen him in, he's very creepy, very sleazy, creepy guy. Yeah. He was in the walking dead and he played, uh, was he, was he creepy. Was he sleazy? Yes, he was. Yeah. I would imagine. So he's just got one of those faces. <laughs> he does. Hey, it works when you're an actor, you, you want one of those faces, right? Yeah, but it's a sub check. Mr. X is not who you want to bring in for camp. <laughs> I love this appearance. I thought he was great. Um, mm. And the the whole. You know, it's shocking, right? That Kevin is that squeaky clean. Yeah. I really couldn't have imagined. It worried me because 
I mean, the whole thing of meeting in the nail salon, he's like, I thought we're meeting a lawyer office. This is a lawyer. And he's kind of looking at Kim. The whole thing was fantastic. And the way Kim was so nervous and throughout, she's like, you broke into his house? Wait, you have to tell me if you really broke it. (laughs) (laughs) She just doesn't get what world she's in. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Sobchak, he, Mr. X, he uh, suggests going a little too far. Um, and so, like, Jimmy is both, like, immediately not down, and I that's true, his true reaction, period. But also, like, he shuts it down so quickly because you can just tell that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to tear off Kim from their whole plan, I think, and all that. But Kim, like, doesn't even notice, if you, if you recall, in that scene, uh, once he brings up... Um, you know, basically taking him out. Um, Kim doesn't notice. She's just entranced. She's really looking at the photos because she's noticed something. Yeah. And, and she notices that I, I mean, I want to take a step back to say, I, I agree with you. She didn't notice it. And Jimmy wants to keep him on the plan. I also feel like during the whole conversation, he was kind of, he's still nervous that you know, he's exposing this whole part of his life to her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like with the mic call, it's like, don't go too far on both sides. You know, he's it's like, like oh, it's the agency, it's the agency. I'll complain to them and write a review, you know, <laughs> agency. Uh, but you're right. She's staring at a picture. And then the next time we see her, which is just before the altercation uh, in the office, mm-hmm. we start on a totally blown up shot of the horse and rider, the logo for Mesa Verde and beautiful. Shot. Yeah. And it was, wasn't it? And then it kind of, it was like blade runner ish. I really like that, which is rare mm-hmm. for the, you know, they kind of mix a little sometimes, but usually that's not the kind of thing they go for, but it let's just look, but I guess it reminded me a little bit of the opening the quick mm. opening titles, how they kind yeah. of manipulate images. Um, mm-hmm, but right. what what do you think she was seeing? Was it it was it it was something in the logo, and then there was a picture too. She was yeah, looking think, at it. Yeah, I think because there's a photo in the picture, like she sees the photos, and in the photos there is a photo uh, framed on you know a dresser or whatnot that is the same as Mesa Verde's logo. So my best guess is that it has something to do with maybe copyright. Mm. That maybe had a photo that he liked and they used it for the, the logo for the, um, is the logo for Mesa Verde. And that's going to be a thing. That's the only thing she hold against him. I don't know, but her smile, that uh, satisfied smile, she's got a whole something up her sleeve. I like that very much because I thought it, for some reason, just with the logo, it made me think of that. And when he also said, um, what was it, the third or fourth con that he was, that the, that Kevin was, or the Matt was illegally doing something, you know, like it was almost a little clue there that had something to do with like the origins of the company or something. Yeah. So, I mean, nothing on him then maybe, yeah, they found something to do with the company itself. I like, I'm going to go with what you said. I like that very much that it's like that logo all over the place, obviously from the statue to, (laughs) 
just he, he has it all over the place. So yeah, that's my best guess. I really don't know what else it could be. And we've seen it so many times too when she keeps on getting the um what I guess the what are they awards you know for each new yeah. place. So that has been a recurring theme, that logo. So, so for it to play into it like that, I think is very intelligent. Yeah. My qu- yeah, I don't know what the photo would have been or what the law is, but we're about to find out, I think. Yeah, um, we sure will. Hopefully next episode. We shall see. How does she know? Like, for all she knows, like, that's a photo that he took. And, like, and then he was like, this photo was really nice. I'm going to make it the logo. So I don't really know how she can know or find out. Yeah, I have definitely a lot of questions, and they continue to surprise me. And (laughs) before we uh, jump off onto Mike, we -hmm. should go back and just say again this whole altercation she has in the office. This is making this really made me nervous because this is taking it to a level within her job that is past. Hey, this is an alternate site, or you know, you have to recuse me because my boyfriend is the other lawyer. This is like a screaming match in front of the whole office. Uh yeah, it sure is. Ugh, really is. I and with the boss, her. you know, it's yeah, it's not her plan. It's definitely not part of the plan. But nevertheless, Schweiker keeps her on the case. I don't know if he's just like, okay, shoot yourself in the foot if you want to. I'm not going to, you know, try to save you. Or I I don't think he was convinced. I really don't think that. No, no. I think it was just out of, I think he's a good guy. And I think he wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt that this was really something, you know, she just, he wanted to trust her like he had in the past. You know, I just Mm -hmm. feel like a kind of fatherly a uh, kind of mentorish type thing going on between them. And mm. I, you know, just in the same way, Howard and Jimmy are set for a confrontation. I think, you know, he's a guy who really throughout the series has spoken his mind and, um, and the way he does it here too, is just, I just don't trust what's going on. And like you said, he doesn't really want to say it. It was just a really wonderful scene and so well acted between the two of them. And yeah, he just, she's, she's yelling and he's trying to kind of talk into her, you know, like, let's keep it down, Kim. It just, uh, she's going, I I hope, I don't think it's part of the plan either, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised to find out it is, but either way, it's not smart. Yeah. All right, you want to you want to talk about Mikey? Yeah, let's talk about Mike. Beautiful. Uh, this was beautiful. For, for one, yeah, um, we got our answer. It is Gus. Mm-hmm. Uh, notable. Uh, not what I thought last week. Well, I, I, last week I said I originally thought Gus, and then I realized it was possible for it to be Lalo, and it was Gus. A little disappointed. I wanted to see Lalo interact with Mike. I have to say. Yeah, no Lalo and Nacho again. Yeah, exactly. I want to see them again, period. we have, It's been a couple weeks. Two weeks now, yeah. No, it has been a little bit of time. And who knows what's going on while this is happening? You know, I, I always mm-hmm. wonder that on this show, what's happening off screen. So, yeah. you know, Lalo has got to be continuing to try to figure out what's going on and 
what, if any, type of fallout has there been from the whole – we didn't really see anything about the fallout from you know, Hank and yeah. Gomi and all that. Yeah, that's true. We have not. Um, so that might be a good reason for them, for us to take a couple weeks off from them, let things pan out, shake out, you know, crazy eight Domingo's back on the streets. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And- um, but in the Mike scenes, Mike obviously wakes up there. He's all beat up and he just immediately tries to leave. He just steps out <laughs> and tries to leave. He's going to die out there, but the doctor comes and keeps him from dying. But yeah, he just immediately, I mean, you have to think Mike knows how dangerous it is. Uh, yeah. He's not really, he doesn't have his head on straight, you know, um, <laughs> his daughter. That's part of why God puts him there. Yep. That's, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're yeah. absolutely right. It, it's not just to heal from his wounds. He, because he could have done, I'm sure Gus could have done that many places, right in Albuquerque, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think this was because he knew Mike needed kind of a therapeutic release. He needed to reset and come to grips with who he is and where mm-hmm. he goes goes from here. I just have to say this whole thing in the village, his relationship with the uh, woman who lives there. Do you and remember? And you're a What's her name? Senora Cortazar. You okay. could just say Cortazar. Senora Cortazar was beautiful. And the and the shots that they took, even when he, he's initially escaping and he's walking down this road and they just hold the shot for about five or ten seconds, um, him fixing the window, putting together, using the old receiver – to try yeah, to make I a was, phone. I was calling him Mike Giver. <laughs> yeah, Mike Guy, I love it. And then she just gives him the phone charge. Yeah, that was so comical. That was <laughs> like, wow, Mike's really committed. He's going to build this charger. I was thinking that he was going to build the charger and just have no signal. <laughs> yeah, that that would have been. Fun. <laughs> that would have been funny too. He just has a little charger. Um, but you know, eventually when he talks to Gus, we were talking about you know how he wanted him to I don't know stop his bender evaluate things i think he's also trying to just get him to accept himself yeah right i mean gus says i am what i am and that i think gets the crux of what he wants mike to to uh realize about himself yeah and revenge yes and revenge a connection of revenge so is gus gonna tell mike about max right here i wonder I wonder, I mean, I don't know if he'll open up. I don't know if he thinks opening up will get Mike on his side even. Yeah. It's interesting um, because this conversation that they have, so they have a different relationship in breaking bad, you know, and this conversation that they have here is so honest and forthright. Um, You know, there were times last season where they would, get to a point when it was like with Werner and he even said, Michael, be careful of the next thing you say, you know? Mm -hmm. And this time Mike is just saying to him, like, you just want me to kill some drug dealer for another drug dealer. And the point that Gus is trying to make, I am not like them. You see what Mm -hmm. these Salamancas do. Um, See, My question right there is what has Mike actually seen them do? 
I don't think he has. And I think, yeah, I, don't that, think yeah. He has. I agree. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm just not sure about that unless, um, now Gus shows him what they have done. But again, Mike has to be smart enough to realize actually, Gus, you've done that to a lot of people too. <laughs> and I mean, maybe this connection here, we have the episode dedicated to Max. We see the fountain. We know from season four of Breaking Bad, when we found out and saw the whole story of Max and how the Salamancos Hector killed him, you know, just a little throwback there for those that don't remember and all the yeah, things and clear, to be clear, I suppose it should be is that Max was Gus's lover, his yes. boyfriend. Yes. Uh, just make it extra clear. Yeah, his lover. He he, he found it. He was the original chicken recipe for <laughs> yeah <laughs> Los Polos, right? Yeah, they, they true. started. He was the original cook mm-hmm. of the meth and started out. That's how they. And if we remember, that's how they gained the attention of Don Eladio was from Max's drugs, and mm-hmm. they and they. That's how they got into everything. And of course, like you're saying, it, he was his boyfriend too. So I wonder if we'll get um, him explaining that to Mike. Yeah, I would like to. It, it, I mean, I assume if it happens, we'll see it on screen because it's not like Mike or Gus will talk about it to anyone else. And it's not really something you can just have off screen. So I'm really hoping that in the next episode we get, you know, we get, <clears throat> excuse me, we get a conversation to them with them. So we really see some emotion with Gus. Yeah. I would love to see that. And I mean, we know what an amazing actor. I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole uh, podcast this week, the breaking bad insider, but he's actually the guest. And Mm. um, I mean, he's capable of so much. I'd like to see that would be interesting to see him and Mike, you know, really kind of just a, you know, be emotional together and, 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 and be vulnerable. And maybe yeah, even yeah. Mike tells him about his son, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my question is that Gus has to know all about his son. One. Um, I, I, I feel like Gus just knows. Yeah. Um, which is why he feels that this is a way to forge a connection. But I was also wondering if it really is the best way for Mike, if he can, if, if Mike can just see through it, if Mike is just so hardened right now that he doesn't want to forge that connection, I don't know. Um, mm. I, I tend to think that th- this is the beginning of them working together yes. and that Gus is going to be like, look at how terrible the Salamancas are. They did this thing. And, you know, we both lost someone, but I don't really feel like that's strong enough to make, to bring Mike in and, especially considering Mike has seen firsthand that Gus has had to have, you know, Werner killed by him and he just hasn't actually seen anything firsthand yeah. from the Salamancas. It's that's, that's a, that's a really interesting point. And, and I wonder, it makes me wonder a way in if, if Gus realizes that, and maybe this will involve Lalo in some way and Mike watching Lalo in the same way that Lalo was watching Mike mm. and kind of picking up on who he is and how they operate and Gus letting Mike into more of the business. Because by the time Breaking Bad comes around, Mike knows everything that's going on. 
You know, to be fair, I will say that if Mike observed Lalo from what we've seen of Lalo so far, he's not doing that that many bad things on screen, at least. Yeah. Not say he's never going to be. He's not a good guy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that he's not doing bad things. I'm just saying that thus far in our introduction to Lalo, he hasn't actually done anything really bad. True. He hasn't killed yeah. anyone. He hasn't really harmed anyone. They made sure to save Domingo. Like he could have killed him, but they went with the alternative. It, it's 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 been better than how we've seen Gus. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it does beg the question to how he kind of brings Mike around and how they forge that connection that's so strong later on. And uh, I guess I guess we'll see. Nacho can play into it. Maybe maybe about Nacho's dad or something, but really Gus is the one who's intimidating Nacho's dad. Oh, yeah, that's so. exactly that's what I'm saying too, is that if Mike became aware of that, that's yeah. yet another thing. <laughs> they were just torturing Nacho with the thought of that. Yeah, I guess I guess Gus has a ahead of him. But I also feel like they have that weird like oh like, you know, almost knights or criminal code. They both know it. And mm-hmm. the way that Gus speaks to him, you know, there are there will always be drugs, Michael. There are good people and there are bad. I do what I do, but I don't, I don't hurt the innocent. You know, like I kind of feel like maybe he could kind of meet him on that sh- almost chivalrous level um, yeah. that Mike does identify with as an ex-cop. Believe him. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll yeah, see. I mean- Gus, obviously, for example, he threatens Nacho's dad, but we don't know that he would actually have hurt him. He just knows that it's a it's a motivator. And I so. doubt he would ever do anything like that with Mike. Yeah, no, he's not going to even threaten Mike, yeah. let alone, you know, he wouldn't do anything. To like but he never threatened him, but he still is, well, he still is threatening Nacho with this, which is causing like intense trauma mm-hmm. on his part. But I don't know, like, do you think Gus would kill his father or do something you know, do something like that to his father if Nacho ended up running or something? I, You know, I think he would. I, I guess I think he would, depending on what the outcome was, if he could legitimize it in his mind that somehow it was for the greater good, you know, to stop a war or stop, you know, something like that. Like, I, I mm-hmm. you know, drug war meeting, but I yeah. feel like... Know that Mike could sign up, uh, sign off on that. Hey, they took out Werner, right? Yeah, but Werner was uh, was involved. He signed a contract. True. He made the choice. Yeah. It's not as if they went and killed his wife. Yeah, that or is true. Mike thought, it's not as if Mike thought even at some point that Gus was holding, you know, his wife hostage so, just so that Werner would work, uh, continue working, or anything like that. There's no point at which their families, any of the people working there, their families were at risk. Yeah, maybe I'd like to see I, if it comes to that point, I'd like to see it. I could, I think it goes back to that code thing, right? That if, if Gus could somehow legitimize it. And I mean, this is the way, you know, we have countless examples in television too, whether it's like Tony Soprano, whatever, Vic Mackey from the shield, like, you have this code in your mind and, but it always changes to suit your purposes. And we, Mm -hmm. that is what Gus does. You know, Gus is not a good guy. No, he's not. He's more logically minded than the average 
criminal, the average, you know, drug lord or anything like that, which it can be for the better or worse. But that is one of the things about him is that he isn't motivated by greed exactly or anything. Yeah. No, it's by power. Revenge. revenge. Yeah, revenge at its core. But yeah, he's not just trying to. I don't, yeah. Anyways, he's he's not trying to be cruel to most people he's not just a mean person i guess yeah no agreed agreed he doesn't do things just for his for his personal enjoyment he's not he's not he doesn't seem to be like uh a sadomasochist about it or whatever that's when you hurt yourself like just the light has left his life his when his love left he just he's just empty he doesn't seem to have anything he truly gets enjoyment out of that we've seen you know, I like to think that Gus goes home and maybe he has some music he likes or <laughs> something. He needs a man. If Gus could just find yeah. a man, maybe this all would have been different. Yeah, just a, a new man. It's very true. Yeah. By the way, I just want to point out that Gus t- says to Mike that he doesn't want Cortazar to know about their connection. But Mike, at the beginning of the episode, he starts with saying Gus's name. I know. He's like, Ring, do this, Gustavo Ring. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, is it interesting that when I, when that, when that line came up and I remember that, and I said to myself, maybe that shows that Gus doesn't know everything and that there are people who know what's going on that he doesn't think know what's going on. Yeah, that's very true. I, yeah, maybe, yeah, she just knew or didn't know or Yeah, but she knows his name. Yeah, curious. Either way, I really like Senora Cortazar. She, like, when she came up and just gently touched Mike's shoulder, it was like a very tender moment. I was like, oh, what's going on between Mike and Cortazar? <laughs> this is what I thought is I, in my mind, especially that beautiful shot right in the beginning when there's this long, willowy tree and he's walking down the road. And I said to myself, man, wouldn't this be a beautiful alternate life that Mike just says to Gus, you know, Gus, I'm just going to stay here with her. And, and you know, we'll send for Kaylee um, (laughs) in the summers. And Mike like lives at fixing the window. And, you know, there, there was a beautiful fade. I'm kind of a stickler as a former editor. I hate when cross dissolves and fades are just kind of thrown in there like iMovie style. And this had a beautiful one where it starts from behind the table and he's fixing the window and it just fade and then just a cross dissolve. It's the same shot. And then he's sitting in the chair, you know, I, I thought that was so beautiful just to show a passage of time, but also the way that he refused her food before when he was fixing. And now he's sitting right down at the table. He's it's like a passage of his emotional state as well. It was Mm -hmm. just, it was a little, a little slice of heaven that, that little village there. And you know, the fountain, the kids running back and forth. It's, you know, Gus does have a part of him that does want to turn this into a way of helping people if he can. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I and mean, like he says to Mike, he's not trying to make up for anything. He's not thinking it'll wash away the bad. He's just realizing, hey, I can do good. I'll do good yeah. when I can. 
But yeah, I don't like he's not trying to atone for anything in doing it, basically. Yeah, I think that's an important part of his character is that it's not a balance sheet for him. He doesn't say I did something bad, so I will do something good. No, he thinks I do good things. I do bad things. That mm-hmm. is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Borg. He assimilates it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that's completely it on this episode. It was a real tight episode. We only had two plot lines going on. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, and I liked the time that they took, you know, with the mic stuff and they just a lot of flair, especially that whole montage with Acker and Jimmy. And that was great music too. They just oh, pull yeah. out great music. This was just a beautiful episode. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I guess we are, what, we're halfway through the season, right? Yeah, we are. Five more. Yep. Halfway through. It's going great. I'm enjoying doing this, of course, with you. And uh, I don't know. You have anything you want to say before we get going? No, I think I'm completely good. Um, But yeah, I'm excited for another episode. Uh, Very much want to see if Mike and Gus have a heart to heart. That's what I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, me too. I think that'd be really cool. Let's see. Hopefully, Kim will uh not be fired and disbarred before okay that, that's your over. hope for the week huh <laughs> that's what we my hopes for next week <laughs> that's my big hopes <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for listening thanks for downloading we really do appreciate it we'll be back with you next week peace out <laughs>